Hello everybody and welcome back. Sorry it's been a hot minute again. I know I keep talking about being consistent but I just have been so bad with podcasting since um, the last couple of months actually and I'm sorry that this is my goal now. From now I'm going to be consistent. I've said it, I've touched wood, it's happening, it's in the atmosphere. Sorry again. Uh, we, we decided to move Remy to my child, to a floor bed um, and like a little mattress in his room on the ground instead of a bed, (laughs) a bed frame mattress on the ground um, instead of his cot. And to get him to sleep, I've been lying down next to him, patting him. And every single day I have fallen asleep with him, (laughs) like every day. So that's usually the time where I nap. Uh, I mean, where I podcast is when he's napping, which he is right now. So fingers crossed he stays asleep for a little bit. Um, So yeah, apologies for that. And yeah, I thought, you know what, I'll make it up to you guys by doing something a little bit more saucy than usual and going back to talking about what we all love to hear, sex, fetish and kink. Um, So mum, dad and family tune out because I have been avoiding podcasts of this topic recently because it just happens to come up at every single family gathering of mine and I'm like you know I did study sexology um many years ago this should no longer be a surprise that I talk about these things but anyway moving along so I got a message um an email which I may read out which is kind of what made me think I'll do a podcast about this um so I got an email from anonymous man um and they are not from Australia which I am loving um they're in their 20s mid-20s and I love the way that this guy writes because he really likes to do his forward slashes um so here's his email hi Me, my partner slash girlfriend slash fiance slash soon to be wife (laughs) need your assistance slash advice slash support slash suggestions, help, tips, tricks, tools, ideas, info, opinions, thoughts, feedback slashes in between all those. We are both in our 20s, uh, mid 20s and from I'm just going to not say where he's from just because he's really wants to be anonymous. So basically, my girlfriend has like this weird fetish slash kink slash obsession for bellies slash belly buttons slash tummies slash tummy buttons slash navels slash innies, outies, etc. She especially has a fetish kink obsession for my belly outie belly button. (laughs) I love this guy. Where my belly button sticks out a tiny bit on my belly. I don't know why I was born with my belly button sticking out. (laughs) I don't know if it was down to a hernia. (laughs) Anyway, where basically my abdominal walls muscles had a gap separation between my belly button or if I was just naturally born with an outie belly button. I don't know the proper name for a belly button fetish. I don't know how common it is or popular outies are amongst the innie belly buttons, which my partner has on her tummy. She wants to mess around slash tease slash play with mine in different ways, especially with her wet tongue by licking my belly button. She also wants to suck on my belly button as well as she wants to kiss slash snog my belly button. That's a little bit of a giveaway where they're from. And she wants to tickle it lots and she wants to poke prod it with her tongue and fingers. 
She wants to bite on it, nibble on it playfully. She wants to do whole belly farts, belly blows, raspberries, zerbets, things all over my belly slash outer belly button. And she also wants to eat lick cream, lick whip, <laughs> eat slash lick whipped cream, honey, chocolate, syrup, sauce, slash ice cream, and other food slash items out of or off my belly button. And she wants cold items she bought, including cold ice cubes on my belly button. She wants to do this while we're in bed together, as well as with each other. I want to work this out with her and see if I like having my belly button played with, blown or teased or licked, but I have a hypersensitive belly button. And my belly button is hypersensitive to touch, ticklish, as well as my belly in general being hypersensitive and ticklish to touch. <laughs> as well as I'm very self-conscious over having an Audi belly button because my belly button sticks out. I want to know how to get over my hypersensitivity slash self-consciousness of my belly button. She's the only girl from the world that has seen my belly button like none of my ex-girlfriends from years ago ever got to see my belly button. <laughs> this only I want to know how to have a conversation with her about my hypersensitivity slash ticklishness and have her blowing on my belly. I want to learn to love my belly slash outer belly button for what they are. I want to get used to having an outy belly button. Also, I want to know how I can mess around tease slash play with her belly inny slash belly button or play with inny. Could you do a podcast episode covering everything, including all of our questions, please? <laughs> oh, what a legend. Uh, so that's the email I got. I'm so sorry. I found this like weeks after you sent it. Um, so this was sent literally a month ago. Uh, my apologies, but we're here now. So there's a lot of questions in there. Um, and obviously your girlfriend has a belly button fetish um, or kink. So I'll, I'll kind of describe the difference between fetish and kink and I actually I will put a disclaimer that I there are a lot of people despite being a sexologist there are a lot more people that are way more qualified to talk about this than I am I would definitely say I know more than the average um, counselor or therapist and know more than the average person for sure about kink and fetish but it's not my bread and butter expertise whereas a lot of people that work within kink and fetish that is their niche um, and there is a lot more so I'll be scratching the surface and maybe going a little bit beneath it but I'm not the expert on it so if anyone wants to correct or educate me further please I am welcome to feedback or criticism on this I will do my best um, and of course I have had um training and education in this aspect as part of my sexology degree which was very interesting we actually had a kink master come in um and she was a dominatrix and she talked about a lot of aspects of kink and fetish bdsm um and a lot of important things like aftercare um which before i studied that i didn't know what that meant or why it was really important so we'll get into that in a little bit let me write that down actually so I don't forget to talk about that because now I've I've baited that that's coming after care. Okay, so the difference between kink and fetish is kink is more of something that enhances your sexual arousal or something that you find an interest in. It could be clothes, it could be body parts, it could be um, objects. It could be BDSM, which is the most popular, of course. Um, and 
A fetish is there's two definitions of fetish that dif- which is what differentiates it. One definition is that a fetish is something that you need in order to reach arousal. So you cannot engage in sexual acts without said fetish. And if you do, you will not have any arousal um, and you need it in order to come to completion. You get what I'm saying. And the other definition is that it's more of um, objects and actions rather than body parts so whips chains etc however i i tend to go with more of the first um, definition because obviously there's one of the biggest fetishes is a foot fetish it's one of the most common fetishes so fetish has kink and fetish has been around for forever basically um and throughout times there have been a lot of growth and the taboo has seemed to be removed around kink and fetish and people are a lot more open to talk about it there's a communities about it there's no shame in it and in fact there was a point like 10 years ago where it was almost like so trendy to be talking about or engaged in kink and fetish that if you weren't engaged in it people were talk- t- saying you were frigid vanilla um boring or whatever and isn't that funny that once something that was so shamed and then if you weren't into it all of a sudden you get shamed for that and now I think the movement is coming back to literally whatever you want is what is best and you don't have to engage in things that you don't want to engage in obviously um so some kinks and fetishes includes things like dominatrix um bondage is a popular one leather um like materials leather surgical gloves is popular foot fetish is extremely popular um there are types of fetish that are controversial like fetish for certain ethnicities in particular asian women um and only seeking Asian women there are people that have kinks or fetishes for people pretending to be like slaves um which obviously can be problematic I've seen this come up on reddit so many times where black women write in saying I've been dating this guy for a year we're in love we've met each other's families and then all of a sudden he has a fetish for me pretending to be his slave and obviously with the history around that it's extremely traumatic and confronting um and also finding out with the asian women that a lot of their white boyfriends have had asian women fetishes their entire lives and really fetishize them so that is something that they had to struggle with and and work out if it's worth how they feel about that whether it's worth it for them um and whether they feel that their connection with their partner is genuine and the love is genuine or if it is a sexual fulfillment need and this is it is one of those things that's kind of tricky because then it's like well you know everyone is entitled to their own sexual preferences um so is it wrong to have sexual preferences because it is of an ethnicity would it be wrong to have a sexual preference for blondes or redheads for example is popular which to be honest I know for a few redheads and they do not like that when people have fetish for it they just 
they do not enjoy it. Um, but yeah, so how common is kinks and fetish? It, it is extremely common and there is some research to say that basically one in three adults may be engaged or enjoy engaging with sexual kink and fetish. Um, it's very popular. There are groups, communities, um, surveys. I spoke about this on a podcast once, the BDSM quiz, about how people did this and compared um, their their results with potential partners and it shows like if you're a master or if you're a brat or if you're into age play, role play, all things pet play and I had so many people message me afterwards being like can you can you link that quiz again um it was a highly popular quiz it's interesting to do as well you might find out things about yourself or other that you didn't even realize or understand was a kink and I think that this is um something I come across as well a lot when people talk to me or come to me about an an issue and say um like I'm really embarrassed I can't believe I find this arousing and then when I say well this is a common kink or a common fetish they're like oh I didn't know that (laughs) anything can be a fetish anal sex can be a kink um, or a fetish as well lingerie group sex voyeurism exhibitionist group uh, sensation play um, orgasm control psychological play which is a type of like humiliation for example cuckolding's very popular um and that is when traditionally it would be a husband watches his wife or girlfriend have sex with someone else but he's in the room and um yeah um spectrophilia having a thing for ghosts dominant submission what else is there oh yeah of course, sadism, um, people that get off on inflicting pain, masochism, the reverse, receiving it, wax play, uh, pregnancy, <laughs> that is a big one. I've had many a people tell me about their pregnancy fetish, breast milk fetish, um, tentacles, age play, um, stranger play, like hooking up with a stranger, um, I don't know the the official word for this, but blood, like playing with blood, knives, um, basically anything you can imagine can be a fetish. I have come across people on the internet talking about how they have a fetish for picking up dirty pubic hairs from the grossest public toilets they could possibly find and putting it inside their foreskin. There is fetishes for having insects or small animals crawl on your genitals and then there are the like you know the the harmless fetish like silk um or red lingerie or whatever so there is such a vast spectrum of kink and fetish and there are i don't want to say that there are right and wrongs there are things that are called paraphilias and that is things that could be dangerous to yourself or others and are basically an intense sexual arousal to atypical objects situation fantasies behaviors or individuals um and if you have 
paraphilias, many of these um, can be harmful, um, such as um, being into being asphyxiated is a common one, like strangled. Um, pedophilia is a paraphilia. Um, zoophilia and bestiality. Um, anyway, belly fetish. There is a name for it, and I cannot remember it off the top of my head because it's a hard name to remember. I think it's called like Alvin, Alvino. I can't remember. I'm sorry, but I know it starts with A L V I N O, Alvino. The I don't know, but there is a fetish specifically for belly and belly buttons, um, and it's not necessarily an abnormal fetish. In fact, it's more common than what you you would think. And the the belly and the stomach is widely considered as um, an erogenous region. It holds multiple nerve endings. It has sensitivities. As our mate emailed me saying, he's very hypersensitive, and I think that that hypersensitive is hypersensitive is something to lean into it's something that it's a sensation that you get to experience um and also the more you do it the more the less sensitive it is likely to become um but if it's ticklish or something there are ways that you could engage in this fetish that aren't soft feathers on the tummy where it's too ticklish it could be putting pressure on it or massage um pulling the skin those kind of things so there are having a belly fetish as we know usually coincides with belly related sexual acts such as touching and rubbing the belly region using sex toys and other objects like food candles ice feathers massage oils to stimulate the belly rubbing bellies together licking or sucking the navel um and it's yeah it's pretty common um usually it was common it's more common for men to have this fetish um and a lot of people assume it's because of the prevalent i guess western fashion of crop tops and exposing midriff um and a small waist has been something that's been considered the trait of many beautiful women although now i would say that having a fetish for bigger bellies as well is more common than having a fetish for smaller bellies. And I see a lot of content on like even Instagram of women making fetish Instagram pages of having really big bellies and bellies that overhang. And men just love it. The comments they put on it are wild. Smack me in the face. Suffocate me with your stomach. It's very popular, extremely popular. Um, so it could be, oh, I should go into, I guess, the history of how is fetish and kink formed? Like when, how do we get into this? And most people, for majority, not all, this is something that probably originated in your childhood. So I remember reading about Freud who said that, um, and we all know that Freud was problematic with a lot of his theories about having attraction to your opposite sex parent but he also spoke about how sexual arousal stems from early memories such as seeing a nurse in your childhood and having a nurse look after you or something like that or being exposed to a breast accidentally as a child 
Um, so most fetish, most people that are interviewed or have been studied about their fetish pinpoint it back to the age most commonly between five and ten years old. So this could be something like, for example, belly. Could It be, could be something as simple as watching a belly dancer or seeing a belly dancer or something like that. Or having a non-sexual act be done to you, for example, someone blowing raspberries on your belly. At the time, it was absolutely not sexual it just developed into a sexual thing as you got older because of you probably surge with a lot of happy hormones um there's a lot of theories about how foot fetish um come along some people say it's because the feet are sensitive and ticklish other people say it's a sign of submission like all i am worthy of is your feet and other theories are there's a theory about how there was a part in your brain that basically because the foot is somewhat phallic shaped it interprets feet as a phallic type symbol um there's another theory as well that it develops from um super super early childhood when you're less than a year old and you derived pleasure not sexual pleasure just pleasure and joy seeing because you're on the ground crawling, seeing your primary caregiver, your most loved person walking towards you, the first thing you would see is their feet. Um, And then receiving joy from that, knowing you're about to get cuddled or picked up or interacted with. So there's a lot of different reasons why you may um, be into this or get get into this um, later on in your life. And someone, I put an Instagram poll up a few weeks ago about what people are into and a lot of people will reply to that sharing their fetish so thank you and kinks and um one woman wrote in saying i think it was a woman saying uh men in long coats and then someone replied to this being like yeah this must (laughs) this must be because of the matrix um which is funny and it might not be true but it could be one of those things that she watched this at a young age and that could be where it stems from just as a random example so yeah, it's um, another thing as well. It can be common is as a, a sense of rebelling. Like, for example, if you were if you come from a culture where you can't expose yourself or showing your midriff is highly um, inappropriate, that may derive an, or turn into a sense of. Um, a sexual interest because of the thrill you get when you expose it to someone or someone has exposed it to you because it feels forbidden it feels taboo and you get a surge of like rebellious energy and feeling powerful because of it um some fetish does stem from unfortunately it stems from like sexual assault and many not all but many sexual assault victims actually develop further fetish um with scenarios not similar to or sometimes similar to the way that they were assaulted or otherwise the opposite um for example it could be a trigger warning a woman being sexual assaulted sexually assaulted she may then later develop a fetish where she overpowers a man or she's is dom- dominates a man or is uh, a dominatrix and does whips and chains to a man and makes him com- completely submit or alternatively she may be sexually interested later on in having being made to feel vulnerable again and being made to feel like she has to completely submit she has no option but 
in a way it's I just want to make this clear it does not mean in basically zero circumstances that sexual assault was never ever a pleasurable experience it usually means that they are subconsciously trying to heal this memory by recreating it but in a safe environment with a trusted person Um, and a lot of people that are into age play also are victims of um, trauma and it gets a little bit murky this one I've seen a, um, a lot of people that are very open about engaging in age play on TikTok and 50% of them say it's sexual and the other 50% say it's not where they will pretend to be um, a four, three or four year old and they'll have a caregiver with them who gives them milk and bottles and um, they'll have cots and wear nappies etc and I'm not here to judge um, so I'm not going to comment on whether or not that's appropriate or not but a lot of these people do talk about how they have trauma in their childhood and they never received for example they didn't receive nurture or love and then having someone come and give them that where they can revert back to their inner child and pretend to be that that child is healing to them um so then when it becomes of sexual nature it can get you know I I don't want to say it can get problematic because I don't actually know the impacts that that has psychologically on someone um I can understand they're reverting to childhood and wanting to heal that aspect with someone that shows you love and nurture but I don't know the impacts long term of that person then also engaging in sexual acts with you when that person when you're pretending to be a child um so obviously it doesn't on paper it doesn't sound like it's a healthy coping mechanism however these people that have come across on the internet are so adamant that it is safe they're happy they feel secure and it's healing to them um so yeah let me know your thoughts on that i'm interested because i can imagine that this rub hearing this may rub a lot of people the wrong way or make a lot of people feel a lot of discomfort um Some other fetish derives from early teen years when we are exploring sexually and coming across or engaging with pornography, for example. Um, And often what happens is people go down a rabbit hole and they're watching videos of whatever. They start with this and then as we know, they go on to something else and then it steamrolls and all of a sudden they come across a a weird video of an octopus and 10 women and whatever and (laughs) finding sexual arousement from it and then thinking what the fuck but then going back and doing it again and again and it kind of just sticks um (laughs) surprisingly common a lot of people that are into really uncommon fetish be like it was almost um accidental There are people that have fetish um, for objects such as their cars and they will have sexual interactions with their cars. Balloons, super common. Um, And I remember watching an episode, I think it was like My Strange Addiction or My Strange Love, and she was absolutely infatuated and in love with the Eiffel Tower. Um, And she got married to the Eiffel Tower and it was her true love and she felt that the Eiffel Tower loved her back um so it'd be very interesting to do a deep dive 
on these people because unfortunately the show did not talk about their childhood, um, their if they were neurodivergent or neurotypical, if they had any disability or whatever. Um, none of those things were discussed. It was just, you know, a typical woman, but she was married to the Eiffel Tower. So if you – and also what I will say when I had um, put this up – on my Instagram story and I had a lot of replies and I didn't get to post them all. So thank you for everyone that posted them anonymously. They were really interesting to read. Um, and obviously it shows it's quite common. A lot of people talked about um, like pegging, um, dominant, submission, latex, lingerie, um, what else was there? I can't remember. But there was a lot. So I do think it's really common. And then I also put a post saying, do you engage in it with your partner if you have one or do you not? And the results for that were kind of mixed. And some people were saying they don't have, they haven't broached it with their partner. They've never talked about it. Uh, they haven't engaged in it. So the first question is, when should you disclose your sexual fetish or kink to a partner um and this guy that emailed me didn't say when when this has happened but I think that the answer to this depends on how crucial this fetish is to your sexual fulfillment so if it's really important to you and you need this in order or like really extremely desire it in order to reach sexual fulfillment, then this should be something that you discuss very early on. Otherwise, you're going to have mismatch sexual needs being met. Um, so it also depends on how much you value being sexually compatible. I, I did a poll on this and a few people said it was extremely important for them to be like sexually compatible on these things. And majority of people said, yeah, it's important, but it's not the be all end all. So that was interesting. Um, what to do if you don't like your partner's kink. So I do like the way that this guy is emailed saying he's open to it. He wants to learn more about it. He wants to engage more with her in it. But what happens if you don't like it or you don't want to engage in it? So, I mean, first of all, stating the obvious, it's natural to have different tastes and preferences in in sex and intimacy. Um and having different kinks encourages couples to communicate more openly and honestly about their desires and their boundaries. Um, and as I said before, different people place different values on the importance of sex in their intimate relationships. So I would be asking questions like, are there ways that you can engage in their kink that make you feel comfortable? Um, can you do part of it or not all of it? So for example, if someone was into dominating you and you didn't like the feeling of being vulnerable could it be like uh, you can you can um um tie my hands up but only when I'm standing and not when I'm lying on the bed because it makes me too feel too vulnerable I want you to untie me before we move to the bed could that be like a compromise not that you need to compromise you should always feel comfortable but are there aspects of this kink that you can feel comfortable with so this guy that's emailed in saying he's really, really hypersensitive. So I would say, do you want to develop less sensitivity to it? Because there are ways that you can do that. Or do you want to work around that and be like, well, I'm really sensitive. Is there something else that you can do? For example, 
rubbing your bellies together may be less sensitive or having more pressure and more weight on the belly may be something that is easier for you to deal with rather than soft, ticklish or cold hands. Um, And that reminds me, tickling is another big fetish. (laughs) Um, Fun. Guess we all know where that one comes from. I guess almost every child has engaged in that in their childhood. Not that clarifying, not that that means it was sexual at that time. It's usually just a positive memory in your brain. Okay. Um, Ask yourself, uh, are you comfortable with them engaging in this kink with other people or other communities? So if they're into, if they have a leather fetish or a latex fetish, sometimes there are things such as leather parties or group sex parties or swingers parties so are you comfortable with them engaging in these communities is this like have you talked about your boundaries around this what you consider to be like monogamous and and the rules around that for example I know that with the furry community so for those that don't know the furry furries are people that wear um almost full body suits, typically full body suits that look like animals. And it usually looks like somewhat like a, a standing dog is, is typical. Um, it's not like everyone's dressed as a different animal, like one person's a, an octopus or whatever. It, they, there is a certain aesthetic to it. Um, and people spend tens of thousands of dollars getting these suits made. Some people don't wear the full suit. They might just wear ears and a tail, for example. Um, and a lot of people develop personas to go with their fairies. They talk through their fairy persona. And I know and I've worked with clients that are part of the fairy community. And some say, it's yeah, it's like it's fetish and it's all sexual. And others say, no, it's not. It's the community. It's just like the safety of like it's anonymous. It's almost like you're at a masquerade, but you know all these people buy their fairy suit rather than what's beneath them like there's a lot of comfort with that and so for those that engage in the kink sexual side of the fairy community and you have a partner that was a you know identified as a furry how would you feel if they go and engage in these parties because it's that for example that one is a huge part of their personality when they've literally developed a persona for this kink um, or fetish not that all fairies are kink and fetish but many of them are um so those are questions you have to ask yourself are you comfortable with them engaging with forums about it if they're an exhibitionist are you comfortable with them showing their dick on reddit or whatever or the, or putting nudes of themselves online because they they derive sexual pleasure from other people watching them um so these are the kind of things that you should discuss. Um, does it, and also asking yourself, does it cross ethical or moral boundaries for yourself? Like are there things that um, you feel, okay, I do, I do not feel comfortable engaging with this. This feels wrong to me. This feels like it's a boundary cross. I don't like feeling taken advantage of or I don't want to submit to someone or feel vulnerable. I don't want to be hurt for people that are into like, um dominatrix or whatever i don't want to be whipped um does it cross boundaries for you um and also having something called sexual empathy which could be like asking your partner specifically what do you love about your kink 
and understanding the why behind it. Is it the sensation you love? Is there a feeling you love like power or you love the giggling or or the feeling kind of on edge or almost afraid? Like what feeling is it that you like from it? Um, so it's important to note as well that engaging in kinks that you aren't comfortable with can breed resentment so it's really while I love and encourage if you're open to it and comfortable with it exploring your partner's kinks if you feel safe and consenting to do it of course while I love that it's also important to note that if you didn't enjoy the experience please don't push yourself continuously to engage in it for the sake of your partner because most likely it will breed resentment um and I have seen this a lot on reddit for example actually recently I read about a woman saying that she was with a partner for over a year he expressed interest in like um being dominated and being like a sissy boy or femboy where basically even though he's you she described him as like a typical macho man, masculine man amongst his friends, like kind of a bro. Um, he liked to, in the bedroom, come across feminine or wear even some of her underwear and be taken from behind, like be pegged. And she was saying like she engaged in it, it was okay, but he loved it. He loved it so much that every time since he wanted to – be pegged and if you don't know what pegging is I should sorry clarify it's usually when one partner wears a typically a woman wears a um a dildo like a strap-on dildo and penetrates her partner with that so um and usually it's between a man and woman and anally penetrated so yeah I think that she was saying he wanted it more and more and every single time he was asking to be pegged and she was starting to question his sexuality because of it and this hits a soft spot for me and a lot of people that you know uh are I guess I was gonna say sexually aware but that sounds I don't think that's a phrase but you know what I'm trying to get at where it's like you don't want to shame people and question their sexuality for engaging in things just because it is being anally touched or whatever or a rim job and then assuming they must be gay because they enjoyed it it's offensive and it's wrong and it's harmful and it's and it prevents people from wanting to explore sexually so I don't think that it's um it's fair to make these assumptions however in this case she said that after the first year their sex was amazing and then they introduced this and then all of a sudden it was all he wanted and he wouldn't want to touch her he he never initiated any kind of sexual interaction towards her her pleasure was never taken into account he never touched her um so she was wondering is he no longer attracted to the feminine parts of me is he just wanting me to act like a man and take him from behind so after a while she said that she was growing a lot of resentment for him and 
losing attraction to him over time. And basically all the comments were like, this is too far gone because this is what he wants and this is not meaning you and you're just sexually incompatible. So I think that those comments are a bit doomsday. Like perhaps he needed a little bit of a wake-up call too as a reminder um, and be given a chance to engage with her sexually. But also if she was starting to get uncomfortable and no longer wanted to engage in pegging or whatever and that was so important to him it's right that maybe they aren't sexually compatible. Um, Which I guess leads me to my next point as well that I wanted to make is having sexual incompatibility is enough of a reason, if it's important to you to have sexual compatibility, it's enough of a reason to end a relationship. So I've seen many times being like, oh, I've met the love of my life. He's absolutely amazing in all aspects but the sex is terrible and it's not because he's not skilled, it's because he has no interest in making me orgasm or touching me or having me derive any pleasure and it can be more than just sexual skill. To me that comes down to, well, uh, is your pleasure prioritised? Are your needs being met and if it's not being met in the bedroom, are they being met elsewhere Um And can it be communicated? Has it been communicated? Um, Has it been addressed? Has he or she made actions to remedy this, for example? And in some cases, people talk about it until their face is blue and they've brought it up many, many times and it doesn't change. Um, And in that case, it comes down to, well, you know, you are within your right to leave a relationship if you want to have a relationship where you reach sexual satisfaction. And that's only up to you to make that call. But I just want to make the point that it is enough of a reason. You don't have to stay with someone just because they treat you good. Um, You can have that as a criteria for a relationship for you. Another point I want to make around engaging in your partner's kink or fetish is that you can revoke your consent at any time. Just because you say you want to engage in something and explore something, you can change your mind, of course. It's... um, just it seems like it's obvious but unfortunately a lot of people feel I can't I can't stop this now because I said I would or whatever I promised and if your partner holds that over your head and makes you feel guilty for it that's manipulation and um and it's this is actually an an emotional abuse to tell you well you should be engaging with this uh, because you promised me it can be considered a sexual assault as abuse as well of coercion um so yeah you can withdraw your consent at any time and your partner is absolutely obligated to respect that so your boundaries are completely your boundaries when it comes to sex and kink so how does one broach the topic of it so like I said before you can ask where it stems from if they have it or if you have it yourself I think that you can do things, for example, I, I recommend in the past doing the BDSM quiz together or there's this other quiz, what is it called? If you want to know it, message me and I'll find the name of it because I can't remember off the top of my head. But basically, you do a quiz and your partner does a quiz and it shares with you the shared kinks and fetish that you may have in common that you may not have discussed. Um or feel open or discussing but of course that means that if that person doesn't share that kink fetish it's not going to cut it's not the results don't get shown of everything you tick so they still don't know so I think that it's really important to be able to feel comfortable and vulnerable and share these sides of you that you can 
open up that conversation and have it be enjoyable. What has been some of your fantasies? What has been some of your desires? Have you ever been interested in something or have you engaged in something before that was like really spicy to you? Or have you ever wanted to really try something and try to take the shame out of it? And if your partner shames you for something, you know, it's your partner doesn't have to feel comfortable with everything that you're into but they also shouldn't shame you for it um, and they shouldn't make you feel like you've, you're have you wrong or um, bad because you're into something that they're not into or something that's not typical, except for example. So I think that, you know, it's one of those things where there is no perfect narrative to start this conversation other than to just start it in a gentle way and bring it forward and present the information. Um, you may not necessarily have to straight out ask your partner, hey, can you do this to me? But just say, this is something I feel sexually aroused by or I've kind of been curious for. What do you think about it? Would you engage in this? Um, how does this make you feel? Does it sit wrong with you? Does it sit right, for example? Um, and like I said, when to do it depends on how important sexual compatibility is to you and how much of a priority it is. So back to my buddy. I can't give you the best tips on how to engage in her belly button or her stomach. Um, I encourage you instead to, his last question was, I want to know how I can mess around slash tease slash play with her belly slash any belly button or play with the any. I think you should ask her, where, what is the sexiest for you? What can I do that makes you feel really good? Do you like when I do this? Do you like it when it's this? Um, I get her to tell you what you want because you don't want me over here saying, oh, here's an idea, pour hot wax on her in her belly button or something and, and then absolutely traumatise the poor, the poor girl. So ask her and let her lead the way and tell you what she's into. In terms of... Um, developing your hypersensitivity or or reducing it that's something that you can explore yourself and you can explore it on your own or with her and I think it's worth exploring on your own even out of a sexual context to realize like are there certain things that I can engage with that doesn't make me like just immediately shiver and want to push her hand away or whatever because it's so sensitive um so find out what feels okay for you and And also, I love that this person that emailed in is so open-minded and so ready to engage in it and try things, and there's no judgment there towards his partner. Um, I love that he tried to to speculate the cause of his Audi belly button. That's really cute. I think it just happens by chance, to be honest, with to do with the umbilical cord. Um, And it's it's amazing. It sounds like your partner really loves that about you as well. So I think that that's great sign of a great partnership where that's something you've been self conscious of, and this is something that she literally is obsessed with and loves about you and thinks is super sexy so do whatever makes you feel the most comfortable over time your sensitivity is likely to decrease but also maybe the squirming and the ticklishness is something that adds to the arousal for her so ask her these questions if you're comfortable with it of course um so anyway thank you for everyone for um sending me in some of the information about your kink and fetish. Oh, I totally forgot. I had a beautiful girl, woman, message me about this. 
this was a couple of weeks ago, so now I can't even remember the, the context of our conversation. Um, and we talked about how she was her partner. Hang on, where is it? Is um, I'm pretty sure he was into what is it? What was it? I can't remember. Oh no, she okay. I'm gonna. I, I asked consent if I could talk about this anonymously and somewhat vaguely. I've got it here now. So I thought this was really interesting. So she said that they've been together for many years. They've been trying to spice things up over the years, doing some light BDSM where he was a sub, where she was the sub and he was a dom, but she wasn't into that. Um, and she doesn't remember how they first tried subbing it. I'm pretty sure this she's talking, referring about um, he was really interested in being like subbed or maybe like femboy, sissy boy type scenario. I don't want to put that label on it in case that wasn't it, but this is, this is what I'm just vaguely remembering. Um, so they swapped around and it kind of unlocked something in him and progressively he found he enjoyed expressing himself in more effeminate ways in their sub and dom dynamic. Um, oh, here we go. It's now become a full blown sissy fetish. Sorry. It is a sissy fetish. Um, we get dressed up, have makeup, wear wigs, etc. Um, they've had great and open communication about it over many years and she actually says that it's something that she doesn't derive arousal from. Um, she's not a natural dom, but it's something she's more than willing to engage in with him. Um, so I love that she, and she even says at the end, overall, it's a nice challenge for me. So I think that's really beautiful that she's so open to it. She has no judgment. It's not something that is like driving her wild and she's probably not fantasizing about this all the time but the fact that it's not she's talked about this bit panning over years and it's not something that's you know bred their resentment or dislike or um being turned off about it it's something that she engages in for him's sake and she probably of course finds enjoyment but maybe just not particularly high levels of arousement from such um, things. Um, so she said when he first expressed exploring this fetish, she just kept an open mind. She's happy to try most things generally. They talked a lot about boundaries and their expectations and they agreed preemptively. This is what I love that if it became too much, they would stop or take a long break. Um, so I think that that's really amazing that they pre-set up these boundaries to be like, let's explore it. But if at a point I get to a point where I'm really not into it or not enjoying it, we'll stop or take an extended break from it. So I love this. I think this is really healthy sexual communication and a really great example of someone that is engaging in their partner's kink where they're not necessarily, you know, developed into their own kink. Um, so... She said, finally, she 100% accepts him from his day-to-day and his persona behind closed doors. He's a great lover and he satisfies me in other ways. So it's not like the fetish is the only thing in our sex life. Um, So I just, I love this example. I'm so glad she shared this with me. So thank you. Um, I won't say her name, but thank you for messaging that and having that open conversation with me. I think it's really interesting and a really great example of how these things can turn out super positively because that example I used from Reddit where she was saying she was turned off is literally the exact same fetish that this girl had messaged me about. But this is the flip side of that coin where she's engaged in it and it's 
it's fulfilling them and she's satisfied. She gets her needs met in other ways sexually from the same partner. Um, so they're both reaching some levels of sexual satisfaction in their relationship and it seems like a really great relationship where they can talk about their their boundaries and communicate beautifully about it. So thank you for that. Feel free to message me um, or email me. And <laughs> what is my email address? I've forgotten it. Uh, sexsellspodcast at outlook.com. That's the one. Um, message me on Instagram. My Instagram handle has changed only because I'm still undecided about what to do about my last name since being married. So I've just dropped it, um, which was Wilson. So I don't know if I'll change to Massa or Wilson. Um, but anyway, my Instagram handle is Eliza Joy Therapeutic Coaching. So you can find me there, message me there. There, It's a completely judgment-free zone, of course. Anything you say will be kept confidential and I will always ask if I can share vague information about this on my Instagram posts or in my podcast. And if anyone were to say no, I would never talk about it and I will take it to the grave, obviously. Um, so thank you for everyone um, that's been reaching out. I've had a lot of engagement with you guys recently. It's been really nice um, because I've had a bit more time I've been having a lot of great discussions about these things with you. I just want to remind you, though, um, I, I'm not an on-call standby for um, things. So I, often I might go weeks without before I see someone's message. Um, so please don't rely on me for emotional support or guidance. Um, it's I can sometimes engage in these conversations and give like friendly surface level advice or talk about it with you but it's it's unethical for me to guide you through it as a practicing you know like a a psychotherapist shouldn't talk to people on instagram be like here's your your plan for handling your stress and anxiety etc um if that should be done in a professional manner that being said i'm always open to receiving um messages and emails and talking about it but yeah there is just a limit to how much support I can give you so please keep that in mind if you've sent me really really long messages and I reply probably with not the level of depth that you were hoping for um and if it's something a bit more surface level and light maybe we'll end up in a two-hour (laughs) heart-to-heart depends on my mood how chatty I'm feeling um so yeah thank you thank you for everyone that reaches out to me and talks to me on Instagram I love it um thank you for everyone that has been messaging me about um using my therapeutic coaching services I'm literally a matter of weeks off that I somehow got banned from my domain name, um, all these little complications with my website, I think because I paid using um, a credit card with Adrian's name on it because I lost mine. (laughs) So they banned me thinking I was scamming, I don't know, or fake, I don't know. But once that's sorted, it's going to be up and running very soon. I can't wait to work with you guys individually, one-on-one. The people that have messaged me, you will be first in offered, um, otherwise... They, I will be available to be booked um, online. I'll only be taking a small amount of clients at a time um, based on my schedule <laughs> slash child. Um, so, yeah, I hope you all have a lovely week. I will be here next week. Mark my words. I will be here next week. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. Bye.